if we've learned from our mistakes, then we, if we're good parents who have a heart and a love for the Almighty, what are we going to do? We're going to teach our children so they don't make those mistakes. This is what a lot of parents say they want to do. They want their children to have it better than they did. Well, if you want your children to have it better than you did, you better teach your children the law. You better teach them the commandments. Otherwise, they'll do some of the same stuff you did. You can give them everything you want to give them. Give them all the games and technology and money and stuff. But if you don't teach them the instructions of the Almighty, because I'm going to tell you something. There comes a point when you realize money is just to buy stuff. I got, you know, what do you buy somebody who got what they want? A new car eventually becomes an old car. A new house eventually becomes an old house. A new watch eventually becomes an old watch. Stuff don't satisfy people. What we deal with for the most of our lives is our own conscience. And we have to deal with this conscience even in the midst of other people when they don't know our conscience we're being dealt with. Regrets. Things that we wish we had an opportunity to do it all over again. And many of us go through life hiding these mistakes. No, don't hide your mistakes. That was the old man. You learn from those mistakes and you expose yourself so others can learn not to make the mistakes you make so they don't have the regrets you have. And you got to acknowledge you made the mistakes. God is merciful. He's faithful. He's just. But when you know better and you don't do better, now you got a problem. Maybe you didn't know better in the past. But now. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the gospel according to Matthew. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. Yeshua's first public teaching concerning the kingdom gospel covered a variety of topics that were pertinent to those who desired to enter the kingdom and follow him. Yeshua established the standards of how his followers were to conduct themselves morally and ethically in his kingdom community while living in the world's kingdoms. After clarifying his position on the law and the prophets, murder and adultery, Yeshua transitioned to the subject of divorce from the perspective of the law. What may appear as a random subject matter is an intentional and succinct discourse as Yeshua addresses this public gathering of disciples and a multitude of potential followers. The message title in this podcast is Yeshua Teaches on Divorce. So, let's study. As we've been dealing with Yeshua's public teaching, we we know that from, from this moment um, in Matthew 5 all the way to the end of John chapter, I mean, Matthew chapter 7, that Yeshua is going to teach, and he's going to teach on a variety of subjects. And so he opens up Matthew with what we know or have been told as the Beatitudes or the blessings, and then he transitioned 
in what we also know to be the Sermon on the Mount. He acknowledged the fact that what he's teaching is the law and the prophets. He didn't come to destroy the law. He didn't come to destroy the prophets. He gets into the conversation or the teaching where he's talking about um, the murder, that we, we aren't to, to murder. Um, in some translations, it's killed, but we looked at that passage last week and come to understand that killing is not against the law. Otherwise, we would not have flesh to eat, but it's murder that was against the law, against Jehovah. And then he transitions into the area of adultery. He speaks on, on adultery. He speaks on the heart, the lust, the eyes, and how, you know, that committing an act is the result of something that has been born in the mind and thinking in the seeing. And this is why it's important that we guard. Uh, in some cases, you have to guard your eyes. Uh, you have to guard your thinking. You have to guard your heart. And I've spoken to you about how I'm constantly monitoring myself. Now, um, I know some of you all may think I watch and I stare, and I do. Um, oftentimes, what you think I may be looking at is not necessarily what I'm looking at. But I am intense in, in what I do. I'm equally intense in monitoring me. And why I monitor me is because for too long, I have allowed thoughts in my head, random thoughts, to linger to where I find myself thinking about things that I shouldn't be thinking about. And in some cases, have you ever, have you ever been at peace and, and now you got a thought on your mind and that thought leads you to get mad? Now you're mad and you're all by yourself. Has that ever happened to anybody other than me? You know, you, you, got a, you got an argument going on in your head. You don't need nobody to argue with. You just argue with yourself. But basically, you argue with somebody else in your head by yourself. And I found myself going down those roads and allowing my mind to just go down that road instead of doing what I'm instructed to do, take that thought captive. I find that once I start monitoring my, my thinking, then I'm able to take more thoughts captive, focus on what I'm thinking of, and even determining what I'm going to think on. Because we can quote Philippians 4 all we want, you know, about think on those things, but if you're not taking your thoughts captive and controlling your thoughts then you're not determining what you are thinking on. Those random thoughts and fiery darts of the enemy just comes at you from all angles. And so you have to guard and, and, and make sure that you are making uh, every effort possible to take thoughts captive, pull down strongholds, 
and every high thought or everything that exalt itself against the knowledge of Jehovah. The, the reason why we want to make sure that we are taking thoughts captive, pulling down strongholds, those that have allowed themselves to be established, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge. See, see, here's how you know something has exalted itself against the knowledge, your actions. Your actions will tell you what knowledge you're following. Your actions will tell you what information you're operating on. If you're operating on the knowledge of Jehovah, your actions will show it. If you're operating on something other than the knowledge of Jehovah, your actions will show it. And so you not only have to monitor your thinking and your thoughts, you have to monitor your actions. Because out of your thoughts proceed your actions. Whatsoever a man thinketh, so is he. You will move on what you think. And so it's important for you to make sure that your thinking is in alignment with his, lest you move on what you think, and it is contrary to his word, and you find that your thinking and your actions is in opposition to him. So, Yeshua is teaching these, this multitude of individuals what may seem to be random thinking or random conversation. But when we went through John, we know that Yeshua taught what Father gave him to talk, teach. He didn't come up with stuff on his own. He, he spoke what Father spoke to him. And so now, here he is dealing with, with a multitude of people who've already been taught things on the subject matters that he's about to lay out. So he's made his position clear on the fact that he didn't come to us to do away with or to abolish the law of the prophets. He transitions to speaking about murder and then adultery. And now he's about to speak on the issue of divorce and the issue of divorce comes from the law. Remember, Yeshua taught from the law. Divorce didn't come from the prophets. Divorce didn't come from the writings. The Almighty spoke concerning these things. And now the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and even today's religious leaders are teaching based on their understanding and their interpretation of what is written. And oftentimes, when we hear messages, brothers and sisters, you have to, you, you have to be careful that you don't hear something from a New Testament perspective without understanding the foundation of where these, these things are coming from. So, what may appear as random subject matter is apparently intentional as Yeshua addresses this public gathering of disciples and multitude of potential followers in, I believe, a succinct manner of discourse. So from the beginning, sometime after the creation and right before the fall of man, Jehovah gave the woman 
he had taken from the man to be his wife. Many in the church today call this the institution of marriage. Now, Jehovah's reasoning in bringing this woman to the man is that after he had made the animals and Adam is looking and he, could, he didn't see a mate for him. Everybody had a mate. All the animals had a mate, but there was no mate for Adam. Now, this is Adam doing. And so when father saw that, he put Adam to sleep and took the woman out of him and presented this woman to him. And what did he say? He says, the two shall become one, but not just one, one flesh. Look at the verse. They're not just going to become one. He says, they're going to become one flesh. So a man and his woman are one. One flesh, meaning that anybody who try to get, how do you get in between one? Hello? You can't. So how do you separate one? Hello? Now, again, I'm just laying some stuff out for you. Father's intent is that men and women are virgins before they get married. That's his intent. Nobody can deny that. I saw a minister this week saying, you know, the Bible is not clear about fornication. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's very clear about fornication. If you don't think, if you don't think so, if you look at it, how can you apply the death penalty to people who have sex without being married if he doesn't address the issue? Some of these things people be putting out there, if they understood the, the Torah, if they understood scripture, I believe a lot of these conversations wouldn't even be taking place, which is why you got to identify real quick whether or not you want to engage in a conversation with somebody who, who lack understanding because it's very difficult to have a conversation with somebody who lacks understanding. Verse 24, Genesis chapter 2, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall become what? One flesh. Not just one. Not just one. The two becomes one, meaning you can't separate or come between one, and therefore marriage becomes something that is sacred. Should scripture influence culture or should culture influence scripture? That's a question we have to deal with because Western culture has made more of an influence on scripture than scripture has influenced Western cultures, especially on the subject of divorce, especially. And that's one of the reasons why we did the teaching on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, because people have an understanding that may not necessarily be in alignment with what is written, and it's important for people to really understand so that they know how to conduct themselves and they know how to communicate to others. 
There is no nation or culture I'm aware of that is Torah observant. Therefore, when those of us come into the truth of Torah, we all come by grace through faith. Now, if any of you are like me, when you came into Torah, you realized that, man, I did some stuff that would have caused me to be killed. <laughs> if I lived in a Torah observant community, like the children of Israel, if I, was, if I was with them, I'd be a dead man. Some of the things that I've done, some of the actions that I've, that I've, I've broken the law. And I know I've broken the law. So from the point of recognizing myself as a lawbreaker, and, and when, I can, when I say that I recognized I recognized myself as a sinner. There is a difference between being a sinner and have sinned. Now, all have sinned, but there's a difference between having sinned and being a sinner. Being a sinner means I'm living a sinful lifestyle. Having sinned means I have broken the law. I've not only broken the biblical law, but I've broken several laws according to man. And thankfully, unlike some folks who have gotten busted, I have managed to escape being caught because there's some stuff I did. If I'd been caught, I would be doing time. I know I would have done time. Now, I'm just going to be brutally honest with you. I have, I have committed felonies. <laughs> and I'm thankful that, you know, the law enforcers didn't see me commit felonies. But today I know better. But that doesn't mean I haven't committed felonies. And so from that perspective... I grab a hold of the grace and the mercy of Jehovah. It's from that perspective that I cling to his mercy. <laughs> and, and, and I have to deal with from time to time the fact that I know he's forgiven me because my mind kind of go back to some of those areas where, you know, I, I can disqualify, I can try to disqualify myself from preaching based on my past. But Father knew my past before he called me. Hello? Well, let me say it this way. He called me before the foundation of the earth. He, he knew what I would do before he put the tag on me as a preacher. And after I embraced that, that call, I was keenly aware that I wasn't qualified and I could do exactly what Moses did when it came down to trying to disqualify myself from doing what I'm doing right now. Do I have a right to be standing here preaching and teaching to you all? Not according to my own judgment. I'm thankful that I'm not living on my own judgment that I've, I've judged myself 
to be one who have broken the law. And I know that I have been one who has broken the law. Now, what do I do going forward? Do I continue to sin? No. But I can't undo the sins I've committed. And this is the challenge many people come to when they are faced, face to face with the Almighty. Is that his righteousness and my righteousness is not on the same page. So for people who want to say self-righteous and, and all of that, understand his righteousness. Because your righteousness will never compare to his. And this should make us merciful. Amen? Early in Yeshua's teaching in this chapter, in verse 7, he speaks about the merciful obtaining mercy as we deal with this very hard teaching of Yeshua. Let's remember that word. <laughs> let's remember merciful. Amen? Now, as I read and study Yeshua's public teachings on the subject of divorce, I cannot help but think, what those in the crowd heard who had been divorced or contemplating divorce, some possibly who had been divorced and remarried. And so I'm trying to put myself in this crowd of people that he's speaking to as he's going through what appears to be random teachings when, in fact, I don't believe they're random teachings, but they're sitting there and they're hearing him say, what he's saying, just like you, because depending on where you are, depending on what you have done, if, 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 you've, if you've been married before or if you've been divorced or if you've been married, divorced and remarried or if you're contemplating marriage, then you're going to hear based on where you are. You're going to hear his teaching based on where you are and those his teaching is going to hit us where we are. Now, we have to deal with that. How do we respond to his truth, his word? When Yeshua had finished saying, verse 7, and I want to show you something here. Well, let, me, let me just finish it. What went through their minds hearing such teaching and realizing the authority his teachings were taught in as it is written, at the end of this public teaching. So in Matthew chapter 7, we come to the conclusion of what we're about to embark or what we embarked on a couple of weeks ago. And this is what it says in verse 28. When Yeshua had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So what is that saying? When, when Yeshua finished this sermon, they scratching their heads. It's like, man, see, and, and I can imagine that if the, if the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the scribes, which they will do, give people the liberty to do stuff that may be against what is written, folks are saying, man, I listen to the preacher, but when I listen to the Messiah, I realized that what Messiah is saying is different than what the preachers were saying. And now they got to deal with that issue. And like I said, I'm so thankful 
that he went into the blessings first about being merciful, of being peacemakers, of being, of, of being hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Because no matter where you are in your walk or life, it's never too late for you to have a hunger and a thirst for his righteousness. But too many people disqualify themselves from ever serving the Almighty in the capacity that he's calling them to because of the capacity in which they've lived. And if we don't see anything else throughout the scriptures, we have to see that the Almighty found, called, arrested, empowered, and commissioned individuals who were not necessarily qualified <laughs> for the calling he called them to. I mean, we, we see it right, right away with Moses. I mean, Moses was a fugitive from justice, and he had lived 40 years as a fugitive. 40 years as a fugitive. I can imagine Moses not wanting to go back to Egypt. Father had to remind Moses, those who sought your life when you committed that crime of murder, those who wanted you dead, they're dead. You can let that go. And we have to be, we have to be willing and able to let go. If, if, if I come into, the, into faith right now in, 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 in Messiah, then at this very moment, it's when my new life begins. The old, the past, I'm a new creature from this moment on. And so I cannot, even though we do have a tendency, is to try to hold the old man against this new man. And some of us have been able to allow that to disqualify us from what Father has called us to do. And that, my brothers and sisters, put you in the same category as Moses was. Before I deal with these verses, I want to read Yeshua's teachings on the subject of divorce from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And what this does, it, it covers the bulk of what Yeshua teaches on this subject. And, and what you're going to see is a consistent thread in his teaching on the subject. In Matthew 5, it says, verse 31 and 32, it has been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is, adult, that is divorced, commit adultery. Matthew 19, 3, the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become the, the twain shall be one flesh. And then wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh, what therefore uh, Elohim God has joined together, let not man put asunder. We're going to see that word is separate. They say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put away? 
He said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except to be for fornication, shall marry another, and shall marry another commits adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. His disciples say unto him, if the case of the man be so with his wife, it's not good to marry. But he said unto them, all men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. And then Mark, Mark chapter 2. And the Pharisees came to him. Uh, Mark chapter 10, sorry, verse 2. The Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? They were tempting him. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Yeshua answered and said unto him, Unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man cleave his father and mother, and a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they no more twain are no more twain or two, but one flesh. So they're no more two flesh, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committed adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she commits adultery. And so these particular teachings, and then Luke, Luke 16, 18, Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another commits adultery. And whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband commits adultery. Now, in this portion of teaching, uh, he, he contrasts, as I stated, his teachings from them who taught before. And he was specifically, as we know, in John, in Matthew chapter 7, the teachers of the law, as stated in verse 21, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So, again, there were people who had been taught according to, to their understanding. Now, when we went through John, we acknowledged the fact Yeshua said that Moses gave these teachers the, the, the law, but they weren't teaching the law. They were teaching the traditions of men. They were teaching the traditions of the elders. They were teaching the interpretations that had been handed down from generation to generation. And these were the traditions that they were teaching from. And those traditions, he said, made the law of God of no effect. So they were teaching things based on their traditions. And this is what happens a lot today is people have an interpretation. They distribute that interpretation amongst their um, students in their Bible colleges, in their seminaries, in their denominations. And this is the doctrine, the statement of faith on particular subject matters as it's been handed down from denomination. So let's look at what Yeshua is saying. He says, 
whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. Now, notice what he says first. It has been said. It has been said. It has been said. So what is he saying? The teachers of the law told you this. Now, there's also this, this, this idea, this, this argument that put away and divorce is two different things. And, and we're going to find that if we look at the Greek and if we look at the Hebrew, that there may be different words, but it's all within the same context as this passage here is. It has been said. And then Yeshua addresses this issue in a way that divorce or a bill of divorce was being given for any reason or any cause when in fact there was only one cause by which a divorce could be granted according to what he's saying here. And if the divorce was granted for the cause Yeshua is speaking of, the result would lead to the death of the woman according to the Torah. Why? Because the cause is, well, we're going to get to this. In verse 21, Deuteronomy 22, it says, Then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her with stones as she die, because she has wrought folly in Israel to play the whore in her father's house. So shalt thou put evil away from among you. The word there is a whore. You'll find also the word is play the harlot. This is the Hebrew word for fornication. Now, understand something. Married people can't commit fornication. When married people have sex outside the marriage, it's not called fornication, it's called what? Adultery. So Yeshua uses a specific word here. He uses a specific word because he also uses adultery in the same context as you're going to see here. Put away is... It's got several meanings to set free, let go, dismiss, to detain no, lang- no longer. It's, if you skip down there to, to number four uh, with the parenthesis, half a parenthesis, you'll see used of divorce, put away. That's, that's, a Greek in, that's a Greek insertion for the word put away, used for divorce. Now, Also, it's used to release, put away, send away. And because the usage there and the the word divorce, one wants to make an argument that if a man puts his wife away and he doesn't give her a bill of divorce, then it causes her to commit adultery because she's still married. He has not given her a bill of divorce. And if she's sent away without that bill of divorcement, then she commits adultery if, she goes and marries somebody else. The, the opposite of that, if, if she has a bill of divorcement, she's free to go and marry somebody else. And that's not what the, the, the passage is saying. Because you'll find that in the Torah and even in, in the New Testament, you would be hard-pressed to find one passage of someone who got divorced and remarried. You'd be hard-pressed to find one, one example. And if you do, by all means, 
be free to share it. It has been said. But I say unto you. And so what Yeshua is saying is they, they taught you this, but let me tell you how it should have been taught. I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause, for the cause, the reason of fornication. So how can a married person commit fornication? They can't unless, unless they fornicated before they got married. You get this. Now, here's another one. I'm, I'm, I'm stone guilty. I wasn't a virgin when I got married. And as a result of that, according to the law, if, if, if I had been caught with whoever I was with, we would both be dead. <laughs> that was the law. If you're caught lying with a woman, the first, the first option is you got to get married now. How many of you heard of shotgun weddings? <laughs> oh, you defy my daughter. No, you're going to marry her or somebody's going to die up in here. That was the only way out, right? <laughs> and so... He says, but I say that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced. Now, wait a minute. You see what he's doing here? He's associating being put away with being divorced. Am I the only one who's seeing this? Put that back up, please. That whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever shall marry her that is divorced commits adultery. Now, fornication. Because in the Hebrew and the Greek, there are distinct words between fornication and adultery. Fornication is illicit sexual intercourse. Also, it could be associated with adultery, and this is where some people want to associate, but fornication is illicit sexual intercourse, and if you look at the usage at the bottom of that page, every time you see that word fornication, that's its definition, illicit sexual intercourse. Remember, married people can't commit fornication. Even if you are married and you have some have relationship with somebody who's not married, the person who's not married can fornicate, but the person who is married is what? Committing adultery. In both the Greek and the Hebrew, there is a distinct distinction by definition between fornication and adultery. Now, we just saw fornication. Here's adultery. Adultery is to have unlawful intercourse with another man's wife or to commit adultery with. So it's if you, if you covered another man's wife and you go and have sex with her, you committed adultery. If you're married and you have uh, sex with, with, with another man, you've committed adultery. If you're married and you have sex with another woman, what have you done? You've committed adultery. 
and therefore it's unlawful. Every man should have his own wife if he cannot contain himself. The word fornicate in the Greek is the word harlot or whore in the Hebrew. The Hebrew word for fornication is zanah, and it translates harlot, to commit fornication, to be a harlot. It also translates whore, to be a whore. And this is why you will find that you become labeled if you have sex before you're married. Now, these, some would say these are cursed words or cuss words when the fact of them, the matter is, is that they are cursed words because those who are caught doing these things are what? Cursed. They're put to death. So it's, it's not enough for a woman to be a virgin when she gets married, but the man is also required to be a virgin when he gets married. Yeshua, the law, makes no distinction between man and woman. We're all supposed to be, because if, if, if we're living, if, if, if I'm brought up, see, if I'm brought up in the Torah, then I know if I've been taught Torah that if I have sex with someone before I'm married, I'm not only putting myself at risk, but I'm putting the woman at risk. We are both at risk if we get caught. And so if I'm going to be Torah observing, what am I going to do? I'm going to restrain myself. What's going to help me restrain myself? His law. The law, not so much in the fact that it is a law, but the penalty of violating it. <laughs> the fear of death. Why? Because the wages of sin is, and here is not a spiritual death. It's a physical, your, your, your brains get knocked out of your head, and there is no more life in you. At that moment, you are buried. You go to hell, <laughs> the grave. How do we know? The word adultery, thou should not commit adultery, is naaf. It means to commit adultery, to usually of a man, always with wife of another, adultery of women, and, you know, the Strong's, seems to be just like much of the Hebrew one-sided. Um, but because, see, the law here says thou should not commit adultery. It doesn't say women don't commit adultery. It doesn't say men don't commit adultery. Just as the law is written to the children of Israel. It's written to the 12 tribes of Israel. So if you're part of a tribe, whether you're male or female, the law pertains to you. Now, there's specific laws that pertain to you as a female. There's specific laws that pertain to you as a male. And some laws pertain to everybody. And this is one of them. 
Now, he goes further. Jehovah says, you know, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't covet your neighbor. Doesn't say anything about don't covet your neighbor's husband. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you have relationships with another man's wife or another woman's husband, and if you're married, you've committed adultery, and if you get caught, there is no way out of that. That's, that's father's intent. Now, our culture doesn't align itself with father's intent. And if you are a citizen of this world's kingdom, then you will align yourself with the mindset of the world kingdom that you're in. But if you're a citizen of the kingdom of Jehovah, what do you do? You align your mindset with the kingdom of Jehovah and his law. Although I may not face the death penalty for having sex with another man's wife, and of course, unless he catch me, then there's a good chance that I may not make it out of there alive. And how many of you know those have been some, some, some cases? I was just reading about, you know, some stuff this week. You know, when, 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 when you got an angry husband and, and you're a preacher, there's been cases where the angry husband because they know where to find you on Sunday morning. They know exactly where you're going to be. Anyway, thou should not commit adultery. Again, that word is always associated with adultery. As you look at the usage, 17 times adulterer, adulteress. That's a female. Adulterer is the male. Adulterous, that's no gender. And then it, women that break wedlock, but men who break wedlock as well. And then the word divorced is apaluo, to set free again, to release, to put away. And of course, it's, it's used of divorce, but it's not primarily in the usage used. If you look at the, how the word is used, then you'll see that the usage is not divorce. Because there's another word for divorce. So when Yeshua speaks fornication, he's speaking specifically. And the way this works, of course, you, you'll find in, in Deuteronomy 24, you, you'll see that, that if, if, if a man thinks he's marrying a virgin, and he marries her and have relations, and he finds that there's a fault, then there's a process. And, and typically, you know, one of the things that I find fascinating when I watch a lot of these old, uh, or they're not old movies, they're movies that are made about times of the kings and the queens and things of that nature. And oftentimes when you're looking at um, making alliances with nations, you know, the son of the king is betrothed to another king 
daughter of another nation, and you know they 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 become in alliance through marriage. Well, the key is that there is no hanky panky that has been you know um, done prior to the the wedding night, and what I also found quite interesting is that during the wedding night, there's a court inside the bedroom. And then part of that process is to, is to take, you know, what in that situation, you know, once this happened, if, if there's blood on the sheet, <laughs> then they know that this woman has never had sex before. If not, <laughs> we got a problem. Now, another situation that if a man is married to a woman and they didn't go through that process, and, and later on he starts feeling like, I think my wife may not have been a virgin like she said before we got married. I think I'm suspicious. Something, something ain't right here. Now there's another process. The man is to take the woman to the priest. The priest is to take some dirt and mix it with some holy water, make the woman drink it. You know the process. If what she's been accused of is not so, then now there's a rule. This man can never divorce this woman for the rest of her life. Well, he's not pleased with her. Too bad. There are, and he got to pay a fine. <laughs> but if she has, her thighs will rot. You see, father takes this whole issue about sex and marriage very serious. Regardless to what our culture, well, shouldn't you want to test it out before you... <laughs> you know, listen, there's kingdom culture and there's world culture. Matthew 19, the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Now they're, they're taking it to a whole nother level. And he answered and said unto them, have you not read? What did he do? He point them to Moses, that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this call shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one, not one, one flesh. One flesh. And you know, this is, this is something that will escape you if you don't, if you don't see it, because we're, we're told the two shall become one, but the scripture says the two shall become one flesh. So when a man and a woman is married, okay, even though he may be at home and she may be at the store, to, to, to deal with her would be to deal with him. Why? Because even though they may be in two separate places, they are one. And if you try to deal with her without having him in mind 
or try to deal with him without having her in mind, you don't understand what is being said here. Because they're one, even though they may be in two different locations. And when a man understands that, he respects a married woman, even though her husband is not around. She respects a married man, even though her, her, her husband, his wife is not around. Unless you don't understand it. See, we may see them as two, but father sees them as one flesh. Not two flesh. They were two flesh before they became one flesh, even though they're two people. And so when they are separated, then if you, if you come between them, if, if, if you have sex with another man's wife, it's like having sex with that man. I know that, that sounds sick, because it is, because that's the intent. So if the man finds out, somebody's going to pay. You can't take hot coals in your bosom and not be burned. And wives shouldn't be giving their husbands reasons to be jealous. Because see, in our day, there, how do you deal with jealousy? In biblical day, there was a way you dealt with jealousy. Because if you suspected your wife of doing something wrong, then you take her to the priest. And I, can, I, I believe today that by faith, if we wanted to try to apply that, you know, this is not a dusty sanctuary floor, but there's some dirt outside. Because see, the whole issue is father honoring his word. In fact, I was watching, um, I was watching, it was a, 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 a movie about Mary, Queen Mary. Or, yeah, it was Queen Mary. And, um, her husband suspected, and he went to the priest, and the priest told him, this is what can be done. But she was able to convince him not to do that. Now, the priest in this movie, in, the, in, in, in that era, was talking about there is a way. <laughs> you know, and I found that to be fascinating that the priest in that era, not in, not in this, this was in a Catholic this was the Catholics, because you know they got that holy water now. <laughs> he was saying, this is how you can, you can, you can, you know, verify. But here you had two people both claiming to have never been with anybody. So they were both liars, but that's, that's a movie. Let's stick to what is written here. It says, Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What does he say? They are no more twain. They're no more two. They're no more two. Even though they may be separated, even though they may be in two different places, they're no, they're no longer two. They're one. Whatsoever, therefore, what, therefore, God is joined together. Let not man put asunder or man separate. 
Yeshua is saying, no man has a right or authority to separate, come between, or give authority for the two who have become one or to separate them if Yehovah has joined them together. So now they want to pull Moses. Then say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and put her away? In this verse, a bill of divorcement was given and the woman was put away with the bill of divorcement. Moses did this because of what? The people's heart was hard. And Yeshua brings that out. He says unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. Moses, Moses wasn't saying that was okay. He said, you're not listening. You're not, you're not hearing. So he, he suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. In other words, what is Yeshua saying? Moses allowed you, but that's not Father's plan. That wasn't Father's intent. However, when you're dealing with hard-hearted people, they're not interested in Father's intent. They're just looking at how to get out of a situation they no longer want to be in. And even to the point to where sometimes people contemplate murder. Some folks have gone to the extent of murdering their husband or murdering their wives to get out of a marriage because their heart is so hard at this particular point, they're willing to break other laws in order to find a way out of this law. Married people do not fornicate when they have sex outside the marriage. Marriage people commit adultery when they have sex outside the marriage. The word fornicate in the Greek is the Hebrew word harlot or whore, as we pointed out. Verse 10, his disciples said unto him, if the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. So now it's like, man, what if, you, what if you mess around and get married to somebody and now you find out you don't want to be married to him? It's like, I'm stuck. Well, the alternative is that don't get married. This is how they're hearing it. They say, well, it's not good for a man to marry. Now, where is that thinking coming from? Who, if, 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 if they're hearing that there's no way out of this marriage once I get married, because Yeshua now has closed that door that the Pharisees had opened, that there was a way out if you get married and you ended up in a marriage you don't like. There was a way out. And they're saying, man, don't look like there's no way out. So why even go in in the first place? And Yeshua is saying, listen, here's the alternative. Either you can go through life and never have a sexual relationship, or you understand that if you get married, this is your lot, and you have to work your way through this. You have to work your way through this. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're in what they call a loveless marriage or a sexless marriage or a marriage that you feel trapped in, that is a terrible place to be. It's a, it's a, it's a terrible, ugly place to be. Especially when you have made up in your mind, you don't want anything else to do with this. What you've just done is you've just shut Jehovah off. Because now he has no way of changing your mind 
or changing your heart. You have to be open for him to change your heart or what you have is a hard heart. And, and, and that's, that's what he's, he's dealing with. So listen, don't ever put the Almighty in a situation that he can't change and then want to post everywhere prayer changes things. Really? Well, he can change everything except this. This is really what it comes down to. And, and, and what I'm trying to do here, brothers and sisters, for those of you all who, who, who've already gone through these processes, as I said when I did this teaching on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, it is so important, especially for the next generation. See, see y'all old heads, eventually you're going to die off. And you're going to have to, you know, deal with whatever decisions and whatever judgments that you got to deal with with him. But for the people who have yet to go down this road, it's important that you hear what I'm saying. It's important for your sons and daughters to hear. If, if we've made the mistakes, we, we, if we've learned from our mistakes, then we, if we're good parents who have a heart and a love for the Almighty, what are we going to do? We're going to teach our children so they don't make those mistakes. This is what a lot of parents say they want to do. They want their children to have it better than they did. Well, if you want your children to have it better than you did, you better teach your children the law. You better teach them the commandments. Otherwise, they'll do some of the same stuff you did. You can give them everything you want to give them. Give them all the games and technology and money and stuff. But if you don't teach them the instructions of the Almighty, because I'm going to tell you something, there comes a point when you realize money is just to buy stuff. I got, you know, what do you buy somebody who got what they want? A new car eventually becomes an old car. A new house eventually becomes an old house. A new watch eventually becomes an old watch. Stuff don't satisfy people. What we deal with for the most of our lives is our own conscious. And we have to deal with this conscious even in the midst of other people when they don't know our conscious we're being dealt with. Regrets. Things that we wish we had an opportunity to do it all over again. And many of us go through life hiding these mistakes. No, don't hide your mistakes. That was the old man. You learn from those mistakes and you expose yourself so others can learn not to make the mistakes you make so they don't have the regrets you have. And you got to acknowledge you made the mistakes. God is merciful. He's faithful. He's just. But when you know better and you don't do better, now you got a problem. Maybe you didn't know better in the past. But now, verse 12, for there are some eunuchs 
So they said, it's good enough for us to marry. But he said, no, everybody can't receive this same. And, and you know what's, what's really interesting, brothers and sisters, please hear me out on this. I imagine we get glimpse, we get a, a little glimpse of Yeshua's life. But you know that Yeshua was a, a baby. He, he became a, a little boy. He became a teenager. He became a young man. He lived in a community, and I suspect there were girls in that community. And you know how boys and girls is in community. I suspect there were some girls who had their eyes on Yeshua as a young man. <laughs> and you know, those, those of us who, who know about Hebrew moms and dads, you want your baby to be married, don't you? <laughs> You want her to get married, him to get married, and give you some grandbabies, right? Imagine that pressure on Yeshua. Imagine the neighborhood mamas who had daughters. I suspect there was a few fathers who came to to Joseph saying, hey, you know, let's betroth our children. Let's, 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 Let's make a pact to where when they grow up, they too marry each other. Imagine John, John the Baptist. The same, same situation. Growing up in a community as a young man, in a community where there's more than likely young ladies, and having to deal with all the feelings and emotions of growing up as a young man, a young teenager, with parents who've, who got expectations just like our parents had of us and just like you have for your children. This is the kind of world Yeshua grew up in, John grew up in, the first century saints grew up in, and they understood if their parents were teaching them. And I, I can tell you, according to what we know, Mary and Joseph were devout in their faith. Elizabeth and, 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 and Zechariah was, was devout in their faith. So they taught their son. They taught their, their sons about the commands and, and abstinence and, and purity and, and all of these kinds of things. Are we? Are we teaching our children that? I grew up in a house where what was taught is don't you bring no baby home. Well, mama, you can't have, you can't get babies unless you have sex. But I was never taught not to have sex. What are we teaching our children? Are we teaching them the importance of virginity? The importance of withstanding and not giving themselves? Because once you give it away, you can't get it back. You live with regret the rest of your life. And don't let no slick-talking Young woman, because I'm going to tell you something, it used to be slick-talking young men, but it's slick-talking young women. They will jack your son up before you know it in your house. My sons come home with some girls and they headed to the bed. No, y'all ain't going to no bedroom. You better set your little behinds right out here where we can see you. Yep. I don't even let my children take the computer outside of a public space. Because I don't want you up in there watching pornography. And I, I wasn't thinking when I, you know, 
got the cell phone. Now they got technology that they can take it anywhere. Some of them take it in the bathroom. And you people out there who got these little boys who like spending an enormous amount of times in the bathroom, guess what? That bath was over a long time ago. You wonder why you got sticky floors. We have to be on top of our children and we have to instruct them and teach them because if you don't teach them, they're going to go and defile somebody's daughter or your daughter is going to go and defile somebody's son. And once they've been defiled, there's no undefiling. So it's important that we teach our sons and our daughters. And it's important that we as men and women live holy. And I'm not talking about like the holiness church. I'm talking about the, according to the holy scriptures. That we're applying his word in our lives. I'm almost done. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb. And there are some eunuchs which were made eunuch of men. And there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Messiah was able to receive that. John was able to receive that. They became eunuchs in the sense that they didn't have a wife or children or possibly even have, um, well, leave it at that. Mark. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said unto them, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to, be, to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Yeshua answered and said unto them, for the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder that's to separate. And in the house, his disciples asked him again of the same manner. And he, uh, he said unto them, whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another commits adultery against her. So, so what is he saying? Now, now he takes it and says, listen, it's not just a woman. If, if a man puts away his wife, even, even if, if he gives her a bill of divorce, if he goes and marry another, Guess what? He commits adultery. And he says unto them, whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another commits adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she commits. So it doesn't matter who's, who, who wants the divorce. Again, I didn't write this, brothers and sisters, so don't throw rocks at me. This, this, this may be not for some of you all, but it may be for your children, for your nieces, for your neighbors, or for someone. Luke, whosoever put away his wife and married another commits adultery, and whosoever married her that is put away from her husband committed adultery. Have you ever heard so much about adultery and marriage in and, 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 and one sermon as much as we've already heard today? You wonder why our world and the church is in the condition that our world and the church is in. 
In fact, there was a young man, I, when I first came to Charlotte, I was invited to a Messianic Jewish congregation, and I met him. And, you know, met his wife, met his children. And I've been watching his posts, and I guess today he's supposed to be getting married. Well, a few weeks ago, I, I, I wrote him. At least I posted. He was talking about he was getting married, and I asked him, don't you already have a wife? Now, I knew I was stepping out on, in, into some um, territory that some would say that's not my business, and he told me that. Now, you, you're, you're a minister. You, you're, you, you claim to be a prophet. You're, you're, you're preaching and, and teaching, and, 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 and my, my word to him is that, listen, I've said what I needed to say. You can't act like you didn't hear it. You can't act like you don't know. And I dropped the mic in a sense. It's like, you know what? I know your wife. I know the circumstances that you're, you're in. And you of all people should know better. But he, and, and imagine all the people that see him do what he do. What is he loosing? Remember, Yeshua taught by what he said and by what he did. We teach by what we say and what we do. And I knew because I, I prayed about it and I went through all of the angst and, 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 and all of that. And I said, you know, brother, you're putting this out here publicly. So I have a responsibility to, to respond to you publicly. Well, you could have called me. You could have wrote me. You could have did this. No, you put it out here publicly. And you've been, you've been putting this out here and putting this out here. And I've ignored it and, 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 and not looked at it. But today, I'm not ignoring it no more. You can't say you didn't know. How you feel about me, that's between you and the Almighty. Because I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters, when you walk the walk that the Almighty is calling you to walk, there are times that you're going to be sent in and to say things that you're going to be hated for. And I know this. But their issue is not with me. See, I love you. I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to love you until I can't love no more, whatever that means. But I also have a responsibility to speak to you as a brother who I see is operating in an area that a brother shouldn't be operating in because if I love you, I will speak to you. If I love you, I will speak to you. And I know I'm taking a risk by speaking to you like this. But I do it because I love you. So now Paul, we, 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 we'll jump on Paul because somebody wants to jump on Paul. And so we're going to put Paul out here because this is what Paul says. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 10. Notice what he says. 
unto the Lord, I mean, unto the merit, I command. Now, Paul is making a commandment, but then he gives a distinction. Yet, it's not me who's commanding this. What I'm speaking to you is a commandment of Jehovah. Wife, don't leave your husband. If you do leave, remain unmarried. Your option, remain unmarried or be reconciled. Husband, don't put away your wife. Well, what if you got irreconcilable differences? Is there any differences that is irreconcilable? Name them. Adultery, adultery is not an irreconcilable difference. You know, you, if you fornicated before you got married, you've already been with somebody. See, we make a lot of, we, we make a, a, listen. If we as the people of Yehovah make the determination that we're going to operate like the people of Yehovah, be peculiar instead of talking about being peculiar. Be holy instead of talking about being holy. Living holy instead of talking about living holy. Then what are we going to do? We're going to start correcting ourselves. You won't need correction from me. I have realized that the only time Father sends me correction is when I'm not able to receive the correction he's giving me him mano on mano. So now this is why he raised up the prophets. Well, you know, such and such ain't hearing me. And, 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 and you and I, we can excuse away what is written as I don't understand it that way. You see. But when he sends you a physical person to speak to you about what is written, you can't excuse that away. Because now there's a witness. And that's what he did. He sent the prophets to his people to tell them, listen, you're trying to excuse away what is written, but I love you too much not to send you a prophet to tell you, y'all getting on my nerves. You're forcing my hand. I'm trying to give you time to repent. I'm trying to help you to, 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 to turn from your ways to to, 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 you know, seek my face. It's like, and, and they kept giving him this, all right? Now Father has to deal with it. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close out with, with, with the, the law, Deuteronomy. Verse 22, verse, chapter 22, verse 13. And then we'll have some dialogue. If any man take a wife and go in unto her and hate her and give occasions of speech against her and bring up an evil name upon her and say, I took this woman and when I came to her, I found her not a maid. That word there is not a virgin. She wasn't a virgin. Then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity unto the elders of the city in the gate. And so what is he saying? I went with her and come to find out, I don't believe that's what he's saying. I came to her and I found her not a maid. In other words, if, 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 if you said 
she's not a, a virgin. Well, they got some for this man. But this is a cultural thing. You won't, you won't find it unless you see it. Then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity unto the elders of the city in the gate. Well, how'd she get that token? That token, brothers and sisters, was that she. And the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my daughter unto this man to wife, and he hated her. And lo, he has given occasions of speech against her. In other words, he's given her a bad name. We know our daughter. We know our daughter is not like that. And now he's given her a bad name, saying, I found not thy daughter a maid, and yet these are the tokens of my daughter's virginity. Here's the evidence she was a virgin before he went, before he laid with her. If you don't have that evidence, you ain't got nothing. What's the evidence? The evidence is the sheep, brothers and sisters. They had folks inside that room watching them consummate. Because a marriage is not a marriage until it's consummated. And now there's a consummation party. <laughs> y'all looking at me all strange. It's right here. And notice it says, and they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. You start talking about that to one of these hard-headed children of ours. What do you mean you talking about being in the room when we do it? You better get up out of here. See, the virtue is, when it comes down to virtue in our society, it doesn't exist because we're not living kingdom culture. There, there, there are people who claim to be kingdom people who are living in a world culture minus and void kingdom principles. The cloth, they spread the cloth before the elders of the city and the elders of that city shall take that man and chastise him. Say, <laughs> so you lying on this woman. We got the evidence right here. How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you deny and they shall immerse him in a hundred shekels of silver. <laughs> oh, you're going to pay for that lie. And give them unto the father of the damsel. Because he has brought up an evil name upon a virgin of Israel. And she shall be his wife. He may not put her away all his days. But if this thing be true. And the tokens of her virginity be not found. Then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her with stones that she die, because she has wrought folly in Israel to play the whore. She was fornicating in her father's house. And what is he saying? That kind of behavior among my people is evil. It's an evil, it's evil. So shalt thou put evil away from among you. If a man be found lying with a woman, married to an husband, then they shall both of them die. 
both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. So what is Father saying? He's calling adultery evil and he's calling fornication evil. Why do we have a problem not calling it evil? Because it's evil. You don't let your sons bring girls to your house. Don't let your daughters bring boys to the house. Don't let them go in rooms by themselves. Don't let them go, you know, people used to chaperone. I was talking to my daughter yesterday, you know, it's like, y'all need to you know, make, make sure that, that, that daddy gets to approve. My daughter told me, said, I brought one man home, but you scared him away. Well, if I scared him away, he wasn't supposed to be there no way. Are you hearing me? Some of, father, some of, y'all need to scare some dudes away. But daughters, daughters, don't deny your father to protect you and cover you. That's the responsibility of the daddy. If the man, if the boy, the girl or whatever don't meet your father or your mother's approval, understand you're going to have some problems in that relationship. Because they're going to tell you, I told you. And that's a terrible thing for a parent to say to a child who they, you know, if you don't agree with the marriage, you make it clear. You don't agree with the marriage. And one of the ways you make it clear, you protest it and you don't attend it. Well, that's a little hard, brother. Yeah, in this culture it is. But if you're going to be kingdom minded, then you have to do things kingdom way. And I believe I'm going to bring this to a close. I will. I am. Now, I know it sounded a little hard and, and difficult, but as we go through these passages, you're going to find that Yeshua's got a lot of more hard things to say. To the person who has not been married, then you should, you should appreciate this. All of us should appreciate it, period. However, you know, Paul, Paul would mention, and again, I have to point out what Messiah said before he got into the teaching of murder and adultery and divorce is mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. How do you deal with somebody who you, you come to find out that they've been divorced? Well, you show mercy. You show mercy. And, and, and that's the difference. Because, see, I'm, I'll tell you where I'm at. So you know where I'm at. You don't have to guess about where I'm at. Trying to tell me about somebody who's been divorced before I met them or knew them or whatever the case may be is a non-issue for me. When I met them, this was their situation. I'm going to treat them and deal with them according to that situation. But after I meet you and I see you going down a path and I warn you, I tell you what you're about to do is wrong and you do it anyway, then I will deal with you as an unbeliever. That's how I have to deal with you. 
You didn't believe. So why would I invest my energy in trying to, trying to deal with you as a believer when you've already demonstrated you got a hard heart and you don't want to hear what I have to say? So if you don't want to hear what I have to say, then why, why would I be trying to tell you something? Now, I know that's a difficult thing for some of you all to hear. But I've come to a place in my life, and, and, and I can say this, that I have married people who have been divorced. I married them. That's where I was when, 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 when it happened. I married people. But since Father showed me this teaching, when, when I did this teaching, everything before this teaching, I could not hold myself responsible or accountable to because now I can only deal with this going forward. And so if, if, if you come in, in, in contact and, and in relations with me, understand I'm not trying to slight you or, or anything like that, but if, if, if you go against the counsel that I've given you in this particular issue, and this doesn't count in everything, but, but, but in this particular issue, and that's the same with your sons, your daughters, your wives, your husbands, your parents, your siblings, anybody. You know, if, if you don't want to accept the counsel of the Almighty, why are you coming to me for counsel? Because here's the thing. You can't unhear what you've heard. Once you hear it, you become responsible for it. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at ArthurBaileyMinistries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey 1. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.